Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The Game. And it is Warriors this week, and we welcome you in. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason with you as always for the next three hours here Eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Whitey, as always, good to be with you, sir. Uh, and the Warriors, uh, big win last night against the Knicks, a much needed victory over the Knicks. And uh, the story after the ball game, though, about a team meeting mm. that took place yesterday morning at shoot around as the Warriors were gearing up to face the Knicks. Elephants in the room discussed, and then the Warriors come out and and play much better than at least they have in in recent memory. Uh, And also Clay Thompson saying that Draymond Green was uh, a a focal point of that meeting. Is is Draymond getting his leadership crown back with with the Warriors? Whitey, much to discuss, but uh, good good Saturday morning to you, my friend. Yeah, great to be with you. I have to say, as far as a team meeting goes, mad props to whomever it was with the Warriors who decided that yesterday was the day for the team meeting. Now, I know that they hit a new rock bottom against the Suns, so you could say, well, they had no choice. But as you know, J.D., we, uh, Boach was a master of this. In pro sports, when it's time for the team meeting, whether it's players only or if it's the whole team, you got to make sure you have the team meeting right before a game that you are pretty confident you're going to win. Because if you have a team meeting and you get your, your asses kicked, all of a sudden you're going backwards again. So it was very wise. Again, I know some of it was because we, we just lost that game to the Suns. we got to deal with this. But that was a wise uh, decision to have that team meeting yesterday before the Warriors took on the New York Stinks. Well, and, and look, the Knicks, the Knicks came in 8-7, right? Yeah, I know. Right? They and, played well on the road. they just yeah. won in Utah. Yeah. And they yeah. just won in Denver. Yeah. I will say this as far as the Knicks go, Whitey, and, and there's a lot to get to here for the next three hours. They are a good matchup in some ways for the Warriors because they don't really move the basketball on offense. They don't shoot the ball well at all, really, from two or especially three. And teams that, that don't do that, are, are easier to defend, and the Warriors' defense has been so problematic that in some ways, if the Warriors were going to get themselves recommitted on the defensive end, and it looked like that was a big part of the focus of this team meeting and, and the game last night, 
it, the Knicks were a nice opponent to have in, in that vein. You can D them up in yeah. ways that, that it's much more difficult to do against other opponents. I know we've been talking here, you and I have been talking with the smartest listeners in, radios for weeks, uh, in radio for weeks here about how, wow, you can see what the Warrior problems are. The solutions are harder to find. But I was uh, in for Damon this week a few days, so I got to talk with Coach Kerr, uh, Ray Ratto and I interviewing Coach Kerr, and he made it clear that the way out of this, whatever this is, it starts at the defensive end. Uh, Coach Kerr made it clear that's our plan. You know, as we try to figure out what do you do, do you get trade for somebody? It's pretty clear the coaches look at this and figure if, if we can start playing better defense, a lot of these things are going to take care of themselves. So, yeah, that was uh, uh, the Knicks took a lot of bad shots last night, a lot of bad shots, and the Warriors' defense had a lot to do with that. You couple that with the fact that, as you said, Clay played so much better, and people are going to focus on the shooting, which is significant, but he was just taking better shots. If Clay's taking good shots and missing them, okay, it's when, like we saw against Phoenix, where he's taking so many bad shots that it's disrupting the offense. That, I'm sure, is one of the elephants in the room they discussed. So Clay shot the ball well, but also just played within the flow of the offense much better last night. Yeah, I, I spent a good chunk of Warriors wrap-up last night trying to dissect what and, and asking the, the listener what would the elephants in the room be. And really, I think the elephants in the room were the top two things on my little note card that, that were with respect to – let me see that what again. The war- what the Warriors did well. Yeah, you want to? Yeah, my little oh, note card. Oh yeah, right yeah. For, you've been busy yeah. on that. Yeah. Yeah, busy. Yeah. I, I even had to put a little on the back. Wow. And there was yeah, it was a busy, busy night. <laughs> yeah. With, with the Warriors and the Knicks and everything coming out after the game. But the top two things I had on the note card were Clay Thompson, more patient, and the defense was was much better. Really, other than the the fouls. I mean, that's still. The Knicks got to the free throw line what thirty four times mm-hmm. and were able to knock down thirty two of thirty four. That that was the only reason the Warriors didn't maybe win by twenty or thirty last night was the fact that the Knicks were were camped at the line. But the top two things that the Warriors did well, I feel like, were the top two things that were the elephants in the room that were discussed. Like, hey Clay, take better shots. Yes. Hey, yes. Hey Clay, and and it's funny. It was having this conversation with Steiny on our our Warriors Weekly podcast. Just the fact that. Clay Thompson doesn't ever have, and and I think that the number that I used was a seven of fifteen. Like, why why can't it? If he could just have a seven of fifteen right. type of a game, that would be that would be great. It yep. doesn't have to be seven for twenty. It right. doesn't have to be five for eighteen because you're trying to find it on a night you don't have it. It could be five for twelve. It could be six for thirteen. And those nights are not going to kill you in the same way that some of these nights where Clay is just yeah. as I've said over and over almost trying to take two shots for every miss to, to show everybody that the miss isn't who he is anymore. You're absolutely right. One of the things we were saying after the Suns game here on 95.7, the game is that, all right, Clay could just, if he just took fewer shots, that just that alone um, would help. Now, it, you'd have to do a lot more than that. But to your point, if he just took fewer shots than he was taking against the Suns, that would have helped. Last night he took really good shots, and I think that's an interesting point as well. Of course, this is all interrelated, the offense, the defense. But you look at the um, attempts last night, how more evenly distributed they were. Wiggins got 15, Clay got 16, Steph got 19, Poole took 17. Poole didn't shoot well, but the points – 
20 for Wiggins, 20 for Thompson, 24 for Steph, and then 13 for Poole, 12 for uh, Jamichael Green. That's the Warrior offense, and it's just a lot harder to guard when you're not sure who's going to end up taking the shot. So that was another real positive sign last night. Yeah, six players in double figures. Yeah. Uh, to, to my eye, and I, I meant to double-check this, and I didn't get a chance to, but I think last night was the first time that Steph, Clay, and Wiggins all had 20 or more in the same game, and it was relatively efficient. Now, Curry had a poor shooting night, although he's been shooting it better than anybody on a night-in, night-out basis, 9-19, but but Wiggins and Clay more even in the shot attempt department yeah. and knocking down a good percentage, a 3 of 8 from 3 I think you'll take from Wiggins. And you look at Steph, or I'm sorry, you look at Clay, four of ten. You know, maybe, maybe four of ten. You know, maybe ten's a little high. But if he's going to make four of them, and I mean that's forty percent. That's that's right at the mark where you want if a guy is going to take ten of them. Yeah, and it's just again, it's a sign that the the offense is uh, functioning and is efficient. When it was, I don't know what happened against the Suns, JD, and I, I don't mean to dwell on it because they won last night, and well, you know, we've. But that was something weird. Was Kerr talked about it Thursday? There was a weird vibe in the air for that game third. Not to make excuses, but the whole thing was just weird from the Warriors' standpoint. No, and I was in Phoenix for for the game, and I did pre and post from the arena there in Phoenix, and and was in the the pre and post game press conference with with Steve Kerr. There was clearly something going on. Like there was clearly something going on with respect to things that I think were bigger than than just the play on the floor that that needed to be addressed, aired out, whatever. If there was going to be a time for a team meeting, it would have been coming mm-hmm. off of the Suns game. I know you, you say, and you're right, you want to do it where you have an opponent, but it almost feels like yeah. they could have been playing – Milwaukee, you know, with Giannis to, last night, and it wouldn't have mattered. They would have needed to have it. Um, you know, the, the hanging their head and feeling sorry for themselves, and just some of the things that that Coach Kerr mentioned, probably to you guys, but also in that post game press conference, lacking fight. Uh, I mean, he even said there were things that that he didn't want to discuss that that he needed to get a handle on whether it was you know each player having their own individual personality that has to be balanced in the context of the whole team dynamic i mean it was it was deep and it it does make you think that that phoenix game which was so bad and the suns not having chris paul or cam johnson or or shamit or others and and to just let campaign basically be chris paul and devin booker combined yeah, yeah. and just them to have their way to to the tune of 130 and play so badly when Steph played so well individually it just like that there there was and and we had full lines on Warriors wrap up Wednesday night from Phoenix I mean people were just angry about the way it was looking and so I I think to everyone's point Whitey that 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 game in Phoenix the other night hit different. We'll see because now the big question is: Does any of this translate on the road? Because the Warriors are are still a team that's seven and one at home and zero and eight on the road. But they've got to see if they can do a lot of the things they did last night in a road game where they win it. And you could make the case they've got the perfect opponent tomorrow in Houston to do that. Although I'm reluctant, Whitey, to say that because I was looking at the NBA standings and the. Four worst teams in the NBA right now 
are the Rockets, Pistons, Hornets, and Magic, mm-hmm. and the Warriors already have losses at Orlando, at Charlotte, and at Detroit here in the in the early going of the season. They've already lost to three of the four worst yeah. teams in the NBA on the road. Houston could be the fourth tomorrow, but uh, yeah, let's see if the Warriors can't get this thing turned around. Yeah, and the Warriors, one of what, only three teams now that hasn't won yet on the road along with the Lakers and the Pistons. Yeah, even I, I, Orlando won on the yeah, road, Whitey. Yeah, I know. Without Paulo, right? I think they won on the road without Paulo. Um, that was a little stunning Wednesday for a lot of reasons. And the fact that we all got to see it, those of us who watched on TV at one point, we, we saw Steve Kerr talking to the team and imploring the Warriors, the champion Warriors, to play together and play with more competitiveness. That was absolutely jaw-dropping. So when we talked to Coach Kerr the, the next day, I asked him, how long has it been since you've had to give that message to one of your Warrior teams? And he said, I've never had to do that before with one of these teams. And he said, he said, but let me tell you, it, it was a needed. I needed to tell him that. So to see them bounce back from that, uh, really a positive sign. I, you know, as we look at, is this team a championship team? I still think at some point they're going to have to, frankly, I think they're going to have to address the roster. And that's, you know, teams do that. I'm not saying an overhaul, but the bench last night, again, there was a drop off there, but a really positive sign. And I'm, I'm really confident that, that t- they will uh, take care of their business against a Rockets team that, you know, they're, they got their eyes on Wembanyama. Not, not the players, but as an organization, I don't think they're putting their best foot forward. So that first road win, J.D., it's coming tomorrow in Houston. He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. 888-957-9570. The phone lines are open. The Xfinity Mobile text line is open as well. Same phone number, 888-957-9570. It's Warriors this week here on 95.7 The Game as we are with you until 1 o'clock. Warriors getting the win last night against the Knicks. Off to Houston today, and then the Warriors will go at it with the Rockets tomorrow. Pelicans Monday, and then right back home for a couple surrounding the Thanksgiving holiday, and then right back out on the road for a couple uh, to Minnesota and to Dallas to close out the month of November. We talked about the the six players in double figures last night. Jamichael Green played better, and I think one of the things that is indicative of just how just how disconnected this team has been in in some way is just the comments that Steve Kerr's made about Jamichael Green recently, essentially saying he didn't use him right initially and, and he needs to be playing the center spot. And I think there's been some, maybe too much back and forth. You know Steve Kerr's going to tinker, but it feels like with the bench and the rotation and all of that, there's been a lot of well, this guy needs to play, and I need to do better to play this guy. And then that guy plays, and he doesn't play well, and it's like, well, you want to make a change. And it just it, it some a little more consistency, I think, with some of the roles, whether it's the young players, whether it's a guy like Jamichael Green, and finding the right matchups for him. I do think there needs to be a little bit more of a, a steadying as far as that goes for the time being rather than four or five games of one group and then four or five games of an extra, but at least until this team gets on track. But regardless of that, I mean, Jamichael Green has, I think the solid games for him have been fewer and farther between. He had a nice game last night. That bodes well because he really is the glue. I, I think him and DiVincenzo and even Jordan Poole are the glue to the championship core and the young players that the Warriors want so desperately to play but can't necessarily play because they've been so effective. If those three are playing well in between, 
then I think it really it really allows the young players to relax and not have so much on their plate to where their contributions are more of a luxury instead of a necessity. That's an interesting point you raised because I was a little surprised that um, Jamichael Green was at least based on the media reports, and you were probably in the in the locker room, but he was one of the more outspoken players after the game about the elephants in the room in the team meeting, and I wouldn't have expected it. You know, he's a new guy there, so that was interesting. So that does suggest that, to, to your point, that, yeah, that um, you know he's been a little unhappy with his role, but he, it appears that Coach Kerr is getting a sense now of what to do with the rotation. Uh, we're seeing basically, what, nine... And then, you know, Kuminga played a little bit. I'll say this about the young guys, and, and I'm, I'm guessing that's one of the elephants in the room is that some of the younger players have been wanting to play more. Um, Dwayne Casey told his Pistons something after the game last night, and it applies to some of the younger Warriors if any of them are upset with their minutes. He said, don't count your minutes. Make your minutes count. Now, a guy like Jamichael Green, it's a little different because he's a veteran. He comes here with expectations. But as far as any young players, if they, in fact, are, you know, I, I can't get into my rhythm because I'm not, I don't know when I'm going to play, those young guys are still proving themselves. So that's probably one of the elephants in the room, too. Don't count your minutes. Just make sure you make your minutes count. 888-957-9570. Let's get it started with Austin in San Jose here on this Saturday morning. Hey, Austin, how you doing? Hey, fellas, happy Saturday. Always great to talk to you. Hey, what's going on, Whitey? Listen, um, good conversation. A couple observations, uh, and, and I want to get your comments toward the NJD on your projections for the next 15, but my, my comments are uh, Jermichael Green. I think he fills a role off the bench that they're going to have to figure out whether he's the guy or somebody else. Because you notice last night there were a couple times when the big men, after that first unit goes off, you need to have somebody inside that can finish at the rim, um, Get some, get some cheap point, two-pointers. You can't have everybody shooting three. Maybe a little bit of a physical presence inside. But more importantly, somebody knows how to play basketball. And I think the Warriors got to figure out who that guy is, whether it's Jermichael Green or they got to go get somebody. And Whitey, I think that's the area where they're going to have to maybe look at trade deadline if they intend to make a run. Because I don't see any of the rookies or any of the young guys being able to fill. That's just me. Um, I watched uh, my buddy, uh, what's the name? Dante played better. My Villanova guy mm-hmm. played better last night. Uh, I think he's going to have to continue to, to do that. He's been inconsistent, but that role is important. He rebounds. I like him. And then Poole, please, can we stop talking about Poole? He's got to become a better basketball player, guys. He's he's very one-dimensional. If he's not shooting the ball, what else does he do? I mean, I, I, we, we got to see him be a more complete basketball player like Clay showed us last night, the ability to shoot, but not just shoot distribute the ball, get the ball to the right guy. And then, J.D., finally, the next 15 games, because you're the guy that does all the projections, what do you think the Warriors' record is over the next 15? And what would you what do you think is kind of the, uh, the, 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 the uh, minimum they have to go in order to get back in this? Okay, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Austin. Appreciate that. We'll, we'll get into that coming up here uh, in, in the next segment. I'll, I'll look at the next 15 games a little more closely. It's funny, the Warriors had played so, so poorly – <laughs> to start this season that, that I really have not tried to get too far ahead of what does it have to be, although I will say it did feel like last night, and I mentioned this on the pregame show, it did feel like last night was kind of a must win. And when you get a couple of games under five hundred as the Warriors have, you really you know, tomorrow I feel like is a must win. Like you gotta you gotta go get that one to get to eight and nine and and look, they've been a different team at home compared to where they've been on the road. But once you start to slip to 500 or below, there are games that you just have to get because you 
aren't dealing yet really with any significant injuries on the season. And you know, at some point, you don't want to dig a hole. There are a lot of teams playing well in the Western Conference. It looks like there's the potential, and I know a lot of this flattens out over a season, but it really does look like there's the potential for maybe there to be 10, 500 teams hmm. in the in the West, maybe 10. And, and I know, again, it, it does level out and teams go cold and teams get hot. And, and the math of it makes it less likely that you could have that many uh, unless it plays out a certain way. But I, I feel like there is more of a teams, say, six or seven even to 10 or 11 could be really in a tight range of... 45 you know 44 to maybe 39 or 40 wins for all of them and and that could really like not much of a difference I guess from maybe the 11th team to like the seventh or the eighth team I don't think it's ridiculous to suggest that at this point and I know it's still early and go back to last year where you know at this time of year people were looking at the Celtics and saying that core they're those guys Brown and Tatum they can't play together they got to bust that up and of course in January hits and they took off and they went to the finals but we're almost 20 games in now almost and most people that you know observe these things for a living will say after 20 games you get an idea so yeah that's certainly the the scenario you're describing JD um it's not out of the question uh, we got a long ways to go but you know you're talking about Portland Utah Oklahoma City teams like that so far they're playing really well I'm getting a sense of deja vu when we talk about the Warriors in the front court, specifically the center position, because we know last year they were waiting for Wiseman to arrive and waiting for Wiseman. And remember Bob Meyer said late in the year, he said, well, you know, maybe we would have done something if we'd known we wouldn't have James, um, but we thought he was going to come back. So Michael Green's played well as a backup center, but he's 6'9". So I'm wondering if that is an area that they could shore up the roster. I just think, as much as the Warriors have proven that you can play small, I just still think you'd like to have a big guy at the end of the bench. You'd like to have that size, and I think they thought Wiseman would be that guy, and he's not going to be for the foreseeable. So I I agree with Austin. I would think that's one area um, that they're looking at. And with Poole, real quick, I know some people were saying, you know, Poole against the Suns. He's uh, he's passive aggressive. He doesn't want to shoot. Uh, you know, thirty six points to two. I'm not willing to go that far yet. Maybe it's true, but to me, he's just still really inconsistent. And right now, that is still part of the Jordan Poole experience. He's just really, really inconsistent. Yeah, and I do think going from starting lineup to bench has messed with him in in some of these games. I mean, you really look at it as he started the three, and he's been terrific in all three. But then it's it's a matter of all right now you're go- it almost impacts six or seven games not just the three yeah. games yeah that that he because he is so comfortable when he's in the starting lineup and but if Clay Thompson's going to play the way Clay Thompson played last night Absolutely. then Clay Thompson's not going anywhere and and if Clay Thompson can play the way that that he played last night you don't need to have the conversation about making a lineup change that was starting to pop up again uh, because things were going so badly couple of quick thoughts here. On Jamichael Green, and and Steve Kerb had pointed out not only playing him at the backup five, but also playing him with Draymond, so Draymond can find him uh, around the basket a little bit more, not just have Jamichael Green be somebody that's going to stand in the corner and look to shoot threes. I was pretty adamant last year, and we talked about this a ton on this show, that the Warriors didn't need a big man 
last year that they that they had enough and they had the capability to, to play you were right. small. You were right. And they would prefer to play small. I look at it differently this year because they're not as good a rebounding team as they were last year. And Otto Porter Jr. was a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. The fa- he really rebounded and collectively the Warriors rebounded at a at a high enough level to offset it. And I, you know, Porter to me playing bigger than he did, having Bielitsa as an option, even though he didn't always play a lot to to stretch the defense. I, they don't have as much on the roster in terms of smaller players that can play big compared to last year. And for the time being, Whitey, they didn't have Wiseman last year, and for the time being, they don't have Wiseman this year, even if Wiseman's on the roster. So I, I think. They would need to be more proactive in trying to add a big man, even if it is just a back end of the roster type between now and the end of the season. Look at what Sabonis did to the Warriors. What did he have, 22 rebounds? And you look at what uh, Cleveland's bigs did to them, and I know the Warriors part, won. Part of that is you can't have Anthony Lamb guarding them. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. It, and, yeah. And I get it. You want to go small, but like that's the, kind of, that's the example of – Maybe if Otto Porter's guarding him, it's a different story because Otto Porter was able to play bigger than he was. But, yeah, that was just – that was really bad. Yeah. That was really bad. Even the Knicks last night, uh, to my eye, fourth quarter, they started to chip away a little bit, and one of the ways they did that was by going inside and drawing fouls. So I just think it would be nice to have uh, a big body available, and I'm sure that's something that the Warriors are looking at. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson, 888 Nine five seven zero Warriors win last night over the Knicks. Does it translate on the road? And coming up, I'll answer Austin's question about the next fifteen games. What do the Warriors have to do? And we'll try and figure out what the other elephants in the room that were discussed at this team meeting yesterday could have possibly been. It's John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. It's Warriors this week. We're off and running here until one o'clock on ninety five seven. The game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We addressed the elephants in the room. You know, we had that hard conversation that a lot of people don't want to have. We had that conversation. It was much needed. And I think it got people more focused and locked in into what we had to do as a team. Now back to Warriors This Week. 
on 95.7 The Game. Jamichael Green last night post-game revealing the Warriors had a team meeting yesterday before the game uh, at shoot-around and addressing the fact that elephants in the room needed to be discussed. The Warriors went out and played like a team that had opened the air a little bit last night uh, and players doing different things. I I just keep coming back to Whitey as I hear that and it just rings very loudly did somebody tell Clay Thompson in front of the whole team, stop shooting the ball every single bleep and time you get it? Like mm-hmm. you're, you know, trying to, you, you like you're trying to hunt, you know, for for an NBA record. Yeah, I'd be shocked if if that did not happen. We all saw, you know, Draymond slumping when when Clay was taking so many shots, and Clay at the end of that game, and I know the game was already decided. The end of the Phoenix game when Clay was still in and he would just take the ball, dribble down court and shoot. It was embarrassing as he uh, and you can understand what he's going through. But as he's trying to you know, prove to everyone and to himself that I still got it. That, and then last night, seeing him just make the extra pass, drop it off, then get it back. It was a relief. I think more than anything last night had to be a relief for Steve Kerr and the Warriors who've been trying to figure out how do we get Clay through this? And it just got to the point where they finally had to, as an organization, say, Clay, no, we can't keep doing that. So, yeah, one of the elephants in the room uh, addressed last night. I'm I'm curious what the other ones were, but I think that had to be first and foremost. You know, even look JD like some of the some of his teammates on the bench were reacting um when Clay was taking all those shots at the end of the game. Yeah, I I think so, and I I think it was one of the, like like dude, you're killing us. Like yeah. there was a like Dude, you're killing us vibe yeah, yeah. to it. And mm-hmm. and I think everybody wants Clay to to be a part of things. And I think everybody believes and look, Steve Kerr said it, and I, I thought that was one of the adamant things he was about, you know, after the game against Phoenix was he said, Clay's still got it. Like he def- almost defiantly, Clay's still got it. And it felt more like hope than than belief, the the way that he said it, but he was not gonna let it, you know, the, everyone go down the rabbit hole again with the, with the notion that that maybe he's not the same player, and and that's really irrelevant. Like it, to me, and and we've talked about this so much, Whitey. To me, it's not about whether Clay gets back to what he was. It's can Clay Thompson play like he did last night, and it was abundantly clear that he was making a more conscious effort to not take every single shot that was presented to him. There were a couple of quick ones, but it was much more within the range of normal than it had been, and there were times where you could almost see him thinking the game through. Like, I want to take this one. I'm going to pause for a second, and I'm going to drive by this guy as he closes out, and then I'm going to move the ball. I mean, he made the extra pass, I don't know, five or six different times last night, and every time it seemed the ball really hummed and moved around and the Warriors were, were trying to swing it. And on a couple of those, the ball came back to right. him and he was able to knock down a better shot than the original shot that probably in any other game this season he would have cast off on and probably clanked. Yeah, right. And, you know, Clay is always going to take some quick shots. That's, you know, that's Clay in transition. He's going to take some and he's going to make some. But still, he was taking far too many and disrupting the offense. So to see that happen last night, and you know it had to be a relief to everyone who was telling him, dude, you know, you got to play in the flow of the offense, let the game come to you a little bit. 
it was a relief because they all knew they were right. But still to see it last night was just, yes. And Clay acknowledges like, oh, yeah, I see. And the ball came back to me. I'm glad that at least for now, we don't have to deal with that debate about who should be starting Clay or Poole because, you know, there was no way the Warriors with everything Clay was going through, no way they were going to, oh, you're going to have to come off the bench now. But even if they did, and I was not in favor of that, but even if they did, it would only address part of the issue. Clay has to play better whether he's starting or not wasn't really the issue to me. The issue to me was Clay has to play better and not be distracted by everything he's going through. He can't let that become detrimental to the offense. And last night it was not, and that was a great sign. He has to understand that that the standard for what is a good game is is just lower than maybe it it used to be. Like it doesn't have to be. It felt like every night he was trying to go for fifty, and you know he was trying to go for the 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 the, the wow game where everybody says he's back and he can come out and and flip the bird to everybody that yeah. that said that he isn't the same and and it doesn't matter. Like it, he could have scored forty last night, it it wouldn't have that would not have meant he was back. Like as much as we like, because it, it's a matter of consistency. It's a matter of can you can you give him eight of sixteen a bunch? And you know what, the the forties are still going to be there. I think they're going to be there less frequently than they've been at, at different points of his career because age is is undefeated. But but his line last night. The Warriors are going to win a lot of games with him doing that compared to what we've seen. Because I, his 8 of 16 last night, Whitey, I feel like would have been 7 for 20 yeah. in, in, at, at different points because of the shots that he didn't take and passed up and the other ones that he got back. His He turned a 7 of 20 into an 8 of 16 mm-hmm. just by changing his mentality mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. He deserves most of the credit for that, but his teammates, his coaches deserve credit too. One of the surprising, if not stunning, things to come out of the Suns game was how pointed Steph's comments were after the game when Steph talked about players, you know, we need to not worry about stats. And he was talking about Clay. It was like, oh, my goodness. Um, and to everyone's credit, they figured it out at least for for one night. Now the question is, if he, you know, if he's, next game he has where he's not shooting well, how does he respond to that? We'll see. Um, and, and then also, you talked about this last week, J.D., as you have the back-to-back coming up with Houston and New Orleans. This is just kind of a, an offshoot of the whole Clay thing. Which game, which game do you sit him? I mean, I was saying last week, just play the first game, have him play the first game and figure it out. But obviously you figure you could probably beat Houston when you're at less than full strength. You maybe want to be at full strength for New Orleans. So that also becomes an issue here as we get ready for another back-to-back. I, I wouldn't play that game, and I, I wonder if the Warriors are going to do something similar in the Pelicans game as they did the last time they were in New Orleans, just the way the schedule fell, because that's going to be just play the six first game one and get nine it. nights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I could see them almost go all in on the Houston game, and that is the first game of the, of, of the back-to-back, so that's the game that traditionally Clay had been playing in yeah. the first game, yeah. and then just resting in the second game. I, I, to me, you just you can't even mess with it if you're planning on potentially giving a lot of the veteran players the, the game off in New Orleans for a second time here in the last few weeks before you come back home. And, and the games are still going to be coming rapid fire. But if there was a game that would be the developmental game, unfortunately for the fans in New Orleans, who it would they, they'd see it 
than you know two times in about two and a half weeks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that would be the game. Just the way that that the the schedule falls, and maybe the Warriors don't do that. Maybe they say, and, and I think how the game is played tomorrow dictates some of whether the Warriors do that or not. If they can go in there and comfortably win tomorrow, and and not have to overtax to do it, then maybe the veteran players say, no, we, I, I want to play. Like mm-hmm. We've had a bunch of rest here coming off of that trip where they played, I think, two games in eight days or something like that. Like It's, it's go time. Let's, let's try to go win at New Orleans on, on Monday night and, and get to 500 at that point. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of reasons why you just go after the, the Rockets game. You're still under 500. You don't have the luxury of, of fiddling with things right now. You played well. You want to build on that, and you want to get that first road win. So I could see in different circumstances, maybe it would be tempting to go, hmm, we could probably beat Houston at less than full strength, but right now they don't have that luxury. you got to beat the Rockets, and then yeah, you're you right. If you, if, you, if you bury them, maybe you have the option of playing some of your veterans uh, more minutes against New Orleans than you would have. Yeah, they can't. They no, can't play right. that game because right. they've already lost to Detroit, Charlotte, and Orlando, who are three of the worst four teams in the league, along with Houston, in in their building. And so you can't like it's you, you to me. You got to treat tomorrow like it's Game Six yep. of the finals, mm-hmm. just just to get it and and get to. And don't and you think it's eight, important, nine. JD? Don't you think it's important again, not only to win that game, but to continue to do all the things that you did well last night? Yeah, because I've been going back and forth, Whitey, the last really two weeks, I guess, since they came off the trip at, at three and seven. And they were and, and just kind of going through game by game. They come home, they play Sacramento. That's the game where, where the Kings were ahead most of the game and the Warriors did play better in the second half, but probably shouldn't have won that game, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. And that was the game where Clay fouled Herter and, yeah. and they didn't call it. Whatever. That that kind of thing happens. But they they didn't really play great in that game. They had the three days off they played much better defensively against Cleveland. Does that tra- so? So they had won two in a row. Does it translate? And then the the next Sacramento game that the Warriors lost, other than the first quarter, it was essentially a pickup game or a Drew League game. So it they and they got beat. And so all right, you didn't like the defense was against Sacramento that game as bad as it had been all year. Are they figuring it out or not? San Antonio, they do. But and I think there's been a little bit of some opponent specific stuff here too. When they've played, you know, San Antonio, all of a sudden they can defend. When they play the Knicks, yeah, all of a sudden you're they right. can, All of a sudden they can defend, and and you want to see it, and you need to see it. But you go to Phoenix in between those two games, and the defense is as bad as it's been all year. So there is a little bit of the opponent and and kind of back like it it hasn't been consistent enough whitey to where i'm looking at this thing and thinking all right they've they've got it dialed in, in you know any way shape or form they have to go out and prove it as they did last night and continue to prove it in houston and really continue to prove it over this stretch of the next say 15 to 20 games leading into the the holiday Doc Rivers said about the warriors years ago when the warriors were were dominating and i know they won the championship last year uh, he said, the Warriors show you their offense. They beat you with their defense. So, yeah, as as Steve Kerr has said, the way out of this, it starts at the defensive end. The key question then is, is it just a matter of us being focused? We have to talk more on defense, which, by the way, is 
I get scared when I hear teams talk about that because sometimes that's just code for we can't guard anybody. And bad defensive right. teams are always talking about, we just need to communicate more. My point is with the Warriors, we know they have some good defensive players, but are the defensive issues things that are caused by people learning the system or do they just need better defenders? We don't know that yet, but we do know, as I said earlier, that the quickest path to improvement is getting better at the defensive end. We have seen, we did see some of it last night. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. Phone lines open. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason here on 95.7 The Game. It's it's Warriors this week. Now, Austin, our buddy Austin in San Jose had called Whitey and said, J.D., what do you got for the next 15 games? And I was I was looking around at it, and I'm a little reluctant to do it, but as this team sit, they got a lot of tough games coming up over over that stretch. Tomorrow, what does that take the, us to about mid-December, the next 15 games? Yeah, it, 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 Austin asked for 15. There's actually 17 between now and Christmas. So the, and and the, the Warriors on Christmas, it begins a, a long homestand. It's actually the first. The Warriors are going to go from December 10th until Christmas, December 25th, without playing a home game. Uh, so really two weeks and a day without playing a home game. And then after that, they have a seven-game home – actually, it looks like an eight-game homestand right. going all the way through through January the 10th. Got some bad so, teams coming in on that uh, homestand. Yeah, too. so that – to me – but that starts with, with Christmas. So there's 17. So rather than – I, I kind of went through the 17 because there's a long road trip mixed in there at Milwaukee, at Indiana, at Philly – at Toronto, at the Knicks, at Brooklyn, leading up to the to the Christmas holiday. So a, a long trip there. What a six game trip there uh, over really a couple of weeks. So I, I'm looking at it as those seven. Can you go? I mean, can you go ten and seven? Like and and there are there are not ten locks uh, among mm-hmm. among that group. And and you know just reading that road trip out loud at the beginning at Milwaukee. No picnic at Indiana. I mean, that's one you'd have to get really when you look at at Philly, at Toronto. No mm. picnic there mm-hmm. at the Knicks. We the Warriors have been all right against the Knicks. At least we saw last night. And then at Brooklyn, who knows? You know, can you split that trip somehow? I do think there's probably a pathway to three wins on that trip. But can you can you go? In say the other fourteen games at that point, if you're three and three in those, can you can you pick off some wins in those other in those other fourteen games to the tune of, I don't know, maybe nine and five, something like that, and then you're, you know, then then you're in good shape. What do you think the road problem has been? And this also gets back to the whole, what are the elephants in the room? I mean, there certainly it's not hard to go back and look at some of these road losses and imagine that ball bounces differently here or there and they win one or two. But I, I know Steve Kerr said the defensive issues, that that's the root of our problems on the road. But you've seen this, you've watched this team up close for many, many years. What do you see as the number one thing that has, has resulted here in so far, no wins on the road? Bad defense. I think young players typically play worse on the road, and the Warriors had been, at least on that Eastern trip at the beginning, hell-bent on saying that they were going to play their young players. And I, I think as time went on, they figured that we can't play the young players as much as, as they want to. I, I think the the core veterans, though, 
bear some of the responsibility for that because I, I do think that there's a failure they, to execute down the stretch in some of those games. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's part of it. But I think they also wanted to coast in some of those games. Like I, I think there are games as a, a championship contending team and the Warriors have been more, I think, immune from this than than other teams have been throughout time. But but I think a lot of times championship caliber teams want to go into somebody else's building and withstand the storm and just kind of exchange baskets and if it's 115 to 115 with a few minutes to go, you you make a couple defensive plays, you execute, and you walk out of there with a close win. And the Warriors did that in a lot of these games and then got beat down the stretch. So I think you can focus on getting beat down the stretch, fair, as, as you mentioned. But to me, it's it's they haven't been real purposeful in the first three, three and a half quarters. They've allowed a lot of these bad teams to – to get rolling and hang in the game to where in those final six minutes, they're a lot more confident than if you had gone in there and just tried to step on them in, in the first three quarters of the game. That, that kind of a killer instinct earlier in some of these games just hasn't been there. And when it has been, the bench guys and the younger guys have given it all up too. Mm-hmm. So it's been a little bit, little bit of everything, Whitey. You go back to, might have been as early as the loss in Detroit, and I know Coach Kerr was bemoaning a lack of urgency. And I'm sure for some of the players and for a lot of fans like urgency, it's awfully early for that. But I, I think you're right when you look at how wide open the West appears to be. These games are probably more important than the Warriors thought they were going to be right now. I mean, it, it looks like... It, we could really have a free-for-all for, for these these final playoff positions. And I know we have a long ways to go. Um, I don't think, though, to me, the loss to Phoenix, to me it put the lie to the notion that this team as it is, they'll be fine. Now, I know I could be wrong. Maybe they will reverse course. I, I don't think this team is currently constituted. Is this going to at some point go, boop, all right, they're on their way, they're going to be a three seed. We'll see. I think they're going to need help. At some point, I think that they're they're already looking at ways to address that. The point is, and I think you've made this point: these these games are significant, even though it's early. Like you got November game at Houston on a Saturday, uh, yeah. But these are really important games for the Warriors. Needs to be a win, yeah. Because Needs, I mean, that, yeah, that's I mean, what it is. Yeah, and uh, they're especially important right now because you actually have a losing record and you're trying to climb yourself back into a some kind of position of stability in terms of the larger playoff race, even though it's early in the year. And and the good news for the Warriors is the four seed right now in the in the West is nine and six, hmm. and mm-hmm. so you're two and a half games behind the four seed. Sure, right? You know, it, and it is really jumbled up. I mean, ten and five is the best record in the conference right now, and it's Portland and Utah's right there with them at eleven and six, and and those are two teams that I think were projected to be. Utah was projected to be a bottom five team in the Western Conference, and I think Portland may have been right there with them, if not slightly above. I mean, I think there were some people that thought Portland could be maybe nine or ten in the West, but to have those two teams be you know, playing at the level that they are, that actually bodes well, I think, for the contenders yep. because they would be due to drop off and have teams be able to to jump them over the long haul of the season. J.D., I got a confession to make watching uh, the Nets. Nets with that big win over Portland a couple nights ago when I first turned that on, and I saw you know Portland had their PDX city jerseys 
When I first saw, I was like, I have no idea what team that is. PDX. I know it's not the Suns. It took it's the me airport a minute. code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I understand, but it did. T- and they were wearing a different color. I think they were green or something. But it took me a few seconds to like. I have no idea what team that is. So uh, some of these uh, different jerseys can be a little disorienting, especially when there's a PDX for Portland. I'd never seen that before. But anyway, that was a big win for the Nets. Yeah, that was surprising to me, and the, the the abbreviation. And I, I spent a lot of time going up to up to Portland over the years with the Warriors playing them so much that you know you get familiar with I that. I figured that. The, yeah, yeah. You learn your you learn your airport codes, <laughs> your airport abbreviations. And, yeah, and that's one where yeah, there that's the PDX. Yeah, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're taking advantage of that. Uh, looking at a couple of things here, because I'm right there with you as far as. The game against Phoenix, I was hell bent on. All right, this team, this team ain't it. As it's you know, like they're gonna have to work really hard with this group to be top six. Is, mm-hmm. is more the way I put it. I, I you know top four, top three. I mean, we'll see. But to me, there were. It's a matter of what can you do now to try and fix it. And and I think there's there's really were two things that that I could come you know came to mind with it, and one was you got to at a minimum get more out of Clay Thompson. Whether that means you move him to the bench and move Poole into the starting lineup, or you have a conversation that it sounds like Draymond was willing to have with Clay. We'll yeah. get more on that coming up at, at the top of the hour as <laughs> Anthony Slater reported on it uh, as well. But it just it's. Get more out of Clay, or make a change there. The other thing is look to move one of the younger players, and I think that's where if you were going to look to move one of the younger players with James Wiseman getting sent down, we haven't mentioned that yet on the program. Isn't that that's amazing? That's, that's in the back burner the way the team's been playing. Oh yeah, they sent Wiseman down. Yeah, you're right. Well, I think that was it. That was as telling on Monday night as the Steve Kerr press conference was on Wednesday night where it just felt like, all right, this team's having some internal issues right now. Mm-hmm. The way that that came about with him not playing at all until they were up 41 against the Spurs and then just the – yeah, he's just going to go down and he's going to go down for an extended period of time. It, it was really jarring to to hear in, in that moment. Like, it, it almost was – like the Warriors were a little bit at a loss for the first time as to even what to do with Wiseman, uh, given the way that he's played and, and their just reluctance to even want to put him on the floor until they're up 41. And then wouldn't you know for him that Spurs score 12 straight points when he goes in up 41. He was a minus 12 in like two and yeah, a half minutes. I know, I know, I know, the poor guy. Not all his fault, but just a bad look for him when that's been – a major part of the problem. Yeah, I I don't know where that goes. I, I honestly think the best case scenario for everybody at this point would be he goes there, he's dominant enough where another team says, we would like that guy, and the worst can get something of use to him. Because I just, I, I don't see how he's going to be a good fit for the Warriors and what they want out of their centers. The, maybe that'll happen, but it just seems like he has... Uh, it, in mind one way to play and it's not the way the Warriors want their centers to play. Um, but uh, I, yeah, otherwise you're, you're right. I, the way you put it, they're at a loss here. It's like, we don't know what else to do. 
Are you going to have them go well, down there and work on the things that you want your centers to do? Or just, no, they're just going to have them go down there and play basketball. So uh, I think this may be the end of the line of with James Wiseman and the Warriors. It's very different as to going and asking a guy like Jordan Poole to go down and play in the G League and get, get his game right. Because essentially you would ask Poole in the G League to do the exact same things that you would want him to do with the Warriors. Run a team full of lesser players and look to dominate. Yeah. And 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 get your confidence and your the ball's gonna be in your hands a ton. Just go get after it. Shoot it as much as you want. All of that. With a big, it's different because one, you've got a lot of young players down there that are trying to get theirs that aren't necessarily going to want to be willing to get James Wiseman the rock. And right. two, you don't want James Wiseman to be getting the ball and and looking to go to work and isolate and dominate and play one-on-one because that's not what you want him to do when he's back here with the, with the big club. But I think at this point, now they're so worried about his confidence and how bad everything's gotten that they do not mind him going down and just playing and, and trying to, to do it even in a way that maybe doesn't help the team if he were back playing with the big club. Here's a note on Wiseman. I don't know if you've seen this, J.D., and consider the source. It's an unnamed NBA coach talked to heavy sports, and here was the quote from this unnamed coach on Wiseman. Quote, he has looked like he's in over his head. You can't have him on the floor with Draymond because they get real easy to guard with them together. You can't have him out there with a big role with the second unit because he's not good enough to carry that group. What do you do with him? I don't think they know, so he's going to go down there because at least you know he'll be on the floor. So interesting that that if that is in fact the view of another coach, but it's really nothing that we can't already see and don't already know. The most interesting aspect of that to me is, as you said, it looks like the Warriors right now are kind of at a loss of exactly what to do with them. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. One hour in the books. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. We'll continue the conversation as the Warriors slowly try to get themselves on track. More details from. What some of the elephants in the room were, we'll get into that coming up next here on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.